All right. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Hello and welcome to the Vitamin C Podcast. My name is Carol and here with me is Megan. And we are excited to be here today on our first episode of this podcast. And we're going to be talking about underemployment and unemployment, which is a topic that it's all over the news. It's everywhere. Sometimes you feel like, oh, it's not, that doesn't affect me. But we too, both of us, have had an unfortunate experience with both. So we're going to kind of talk about that today and talk about some other things um, that kind of encompass that topic. And so we started off with a Bible verse from 2 Timothy 2 and 6 about the hardworking farmer. And that's kind of what we believe in is that people that work hard should be able to reap the benefits of their hard work. But unfortunately, in this climate, and I would say for about 10 years, 10 years, people have been working hard, but they haven't been really reaping the benefits of their hard work. Um, so I said 10 years because I've just been gainfully employed within the last five um, previously, I've been laid off about five or six times and I wasn't able to maintain employment for longer than a year. So for the past 10 years, I probably worked at six or seven different places on and off and filing unemployment and not knowing where my next check was coming from um, and just going through that whole process and just feeling like I was on a treadmill and not getting anywhere. Right. So my story is a little different than Megan's. I went back to school as a grown up. <laughs> so I had worked. I was gainfully employed. And then I went back to school and I finished my bachelor's degree and I went on to pursue my master's. And that's when it kind of hit the fan for me after my master's degree. It's like, oh, snap. Uh, <laughs> I need a job. And so I'm an educator. I'm a college English professor. Megan is a project manager at this time in construction. Right. But you've had jobs in the past in oh, the same man. field of construction, wow. right? Yeah. If we want to start from jump, my degree is in architecture and I got out of college thinking, oh, I'm going to design all these fabulous things and it's going to be awesome. Well, uh, first job at the architecture firm, it was good um, and it was on a track to go in the right direction um, and it was decent pay for getting right out of school, mm -hmm. but uh, one year and eight months into that job, surprise, the whole stock market fell and we had our oh, yeah. first recession of our, I think we were in our 20s at mm -hmm. that time. So I thought recession was a far off item like, oh, my grandparents yeah. and oh, the Great Depression and people eating potatoes <laughs> and bread. Yeah. And I was like, that has nothing to do with me. Right. Um, so I got laid off and I was like, oh, OK, this is not bad. And mind you, I was in the unemployment group um, that basically screwed it up for everybody else yeah. because we used up all of the unemployment <laughs> yeah. money. I was getting very decent unemployment money. I think I was getting three fifty a week or four hundred a week. Man, um, and I was on it for two years because I could not get a job for two years. Um, when I went to the unemployment office, because that's the first thing that you have to do, your first order of business when you get laid off. Um, and then they send you back home because you still have money. You have to be yeah. dumb broke. Um, We're going to talk about it in the employment <laughs> office, too. Uh, just, you, yeah, go ahead. Megan. You have to be dumb broke, um, meaning that whatever your last severance, if you get it, or your last paycheck, 
two weeks after that, that's when you can actually start drawing unemployment. So naturally, I'm trying to do all the correct steps. And hell, I have time. I don't have a job. So I can hang out all day. And so I go up there and I talk to the agent representative, whoever that person is called. And he looks in there in the computer and is like, we don't have anything for that. Yeah. That being a degree, that being a degree in architecture. Yeah. So he couldn't even help me while I'm being paid this money by the government. Cause I legit want to go on interviews and do my part, but they could not even assist me to make me do my part. So pretty much my work as, as I would like to call it, that I was supposed to do is, you know, you're supposed to apply for two jobs a week mm-hmm. and I would apply online and, you know, you always have your information in case you're going to be audited or whatever. But I found the unemployment office didn't have a bank of positions for any sort of professionals, right. anybody with an education. It's pretty much customer service and maybe some labor jobs, yeah. which there's nothing wrong with yeah, those absolutely. jobs. Nothing wrong with I, now that I look at it now. People. Yeah, shout out to them. And on top of the fact um, that they're all still working and they don't get laid off. They sure um, are. <laughs> and they're making more than all of us with no school loans. Um, they could not assist me with the background that I had. And naturally, you start to realize, oh, I can't even go on interviews with these people because they're asking me, one, what do you want? Because yeah. you have a degree. So what do you, what do you want to do here? Every time I went to job fairs and something as simple as a cable company, Oh, we don't have any positions in building. Yeah. I know that. I need a job. I don't have any money. <laughs> yeah, I just need a job. What do y'all need? You need me to answer phones? You want me to hook up some cable? What what, what what would you like me to do? Because my unemployment is running out. Yeah. Obviously, my bills have not run out. And um, I need to close the gap. Yeah. And at th- there comes a point in your unemployment or underemployment where you're like, I will just work whatever I need to do to get to my bills. Mm-hmm. Worked at Home Depot, worked at some other retail locations and some other jobs that I really didn't want to take. But it was all a matter of, okay, are you going to twiddle your thumbs or are you going to go and work somewhere that even though it's not your forever job, it's not your dream job, you're probably overqualified. We got to pay our bills. Right. And so... As Megan was talking about, we all know what unemployed is. I don't have a job. But... A lot of people, especially in our age group, and we'll just say we are in the mid thirties. But even sometimes young, like right out of college, are facing what's called underemployment, where I have a job, but it doesn't really, it not even really, it doesn't fit the amount of time and effort and money I put into a degree to kind of get that um, reciprocal effect back. So I'm working. I have a master's degree, but you want to pay me thirty thousand dollars, and I have hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt I have to pay back too. So a lot of people are underemployed. And so I think like Megan was saying, she had experience that. That's kind of been my experience since graduating. Uh, he was like, oh, you, you teach college. Yeah, but I'm in that funny kind of field where you, what they call adjunct professors. I'm a part-time employee. Even though I could at some schools, some adjunct professors teach up the same course load as full-time professors but they don't get all the benefits and the pay is not there so it's hard it's like you're constantly trying to play catch up because i have a job or two jobs but it's still not enough to make the ends meet so i'm underemployed and like she said 
when unemployment after that kind of when the recession hit and all those people lost their jobs, they immediately, not too many years after that, changed the unemployment rules. Where I think that you can only get unemployment for three months. Six months. Six months. So you had six months to find a job. And like she said, she was unemployed for two years. Two years? Two years straight. Two years straight. And then a few other bouts in between my other layoffs. Right. So it takes, you know, some time to find a new job. Like it's not just, okay, I'm going to apply. And then not like when we were teenagers and you could fill out the application and call the next day and they ask you to come in and like, okay, we'll give you the job on the spot. That happens for some people. I love it. I'm happy for you. God bless you. That has not been my experience <laughs> of employment. And, uh, and on top of that, as this process continues to happen to you repeatedly or for whatever length of time, now you get to explain these lovely gaps to whomever you're interviewing with. Hey, what? I mean, what happened here? Did you work at this company that long? No, no, I didn't actually. I was laid off. And once you say laid off, I'll say the second time, I think you're looking at me funny, or at least I'm feeling self-conscious in the interview mm-hmm. now because it's it's becomes a wonder of, hey, so why are you getting laid off so many times? Because there's still a stigma behind being laid off that says that there's something wrong with the employee. Yeah. And yes, in some cases, maybe they are laying off not the strongest employees. However, you're putting me out there where I have to explain myself and I don't get the reasoning why they lay me off. They don't tell me that when I'm being laid off. It's just you're being laid off. And what is it? North Carolina is a right to work, right to work state. So they really don't have to explain anything to you. Nope. Um, If you're in a decent enough relationship with your employer, yeah, you can get recommendation letters, but I don't think anybody reads them. And that's just my personal (laughs) opinion. They're looking at your resume. They're looking at the keywords. And if the keywords are not there or your gaps look weird, uh, that might be the, telling factor as to why you don't work there. Right. And then also like unemployment and underemployment is just, is more than just, I don't have a job or I don't have a job that's doing enough. It really has like a psychological effect on you. Cause like Megan was just saying, you start sending out applications and you're like, well, I know I can do these jobs. Mm-hmm. If even if it's like, I've done these jobs before, mm-hmm. why won't people hire me? And when I I was the first one, which I'm not saying that other people in our friend group will get laid off, but obviously I had this experience first. Yeah. And I was having it alone Mm -hmm. because Carol's situation happened after mine and after I was gainfully employed. So when I was out there, I felt really alone. Yeah. And you don't want to be rude to your friends and family, but you get (laughs) tired of. How did the interview go? How did the interview go? Have you been applying for jobs? Um, you know, such and such is hiring. And have you talked to such and such? And I was like, okay. Oh, here's the best one. My friend work at this place and send your resume to my friend. Uh, If your friend is not in HR, they can't help me. Right. Right. And and people try to tell you how you're doing. It sounds very accusatory, even though they're trying. I want to believe they're trying to help. But it just sounds like, hey, what's wrong with you? Everybody else is working. Yeah. It's now hiring signs everywhere. What's wrong with you? Why don't you have a job? You must yeah. not be following up. Do you not interview well? You must be doing something in those you interviews. Interview well. <laughs> or as my mother told me, my own mother, after I think I was laid Shout off. Out, <laughs> after I was laid off, maybe the third or fourth time, it's something you're doing up in those jobs because you keep getting laid off. 
Oh, and God. this was like while I'm unemployed, that. like completely this ain't underemployed. I'm unemployed. I have nothing. And I'm like, okay, maybe your delivery was screwed up. I want to use another word for that. Uh, yeah. But I don't need this right now. I already am dealing with enough negative talk in my own head. I don't need anybody else's assistance in telling me what I could be doing wrong. Cause I've gone through 1000 things that I could be doing. Wrong. Did I wear the wrong suit? Did I say something wrong on the phone call? Did, did I fill my application out wrong? Did I check the box saying I was a felon? How did I get <laughs> here where I can't get hired at a grocery store, home Depot, <laughs> I have never, I've applied at Walmart three or four times. And I'm not saying that I, I'm I'm really wanting to work at Walmart, but in a pinch, hey, guess what? I'll go work. And my own sister works there and couldn't get my application pulled. So it's just, there's something very degrading about that period of time yeah. when you're just trying to, at first, advance your professional career. That's mm-hmm. the full intention. But at some point, you just, I need a check. Yeah. I need a check and I need to come in here and do whatever it is y'all do. Phones, boxes, uh, mop the floor, <laughs> clean up, uh, Something. walk you around the building. I'll do that. So, kind of like what Megan is saying, like, I, I've wor- I worked in the call center before. I spent seven years on working in the call center. Some of the, the most phones. exciting years of my life <laughs> being her friend working at the call yes. center. And once I finished school, when I started school, I was still working at the call center and then they fired me. And then I went on to get my bachelor's degree or whatever. And after that, I found I could not get hired at a call center anymore. I had tried well, we in North Carolina, so Spectrum and different ones. I could not get hired at a call center. And I was like, well, I know how to do this. Like, I know how to answer the phone. <laughs> uh, but that just, well, any kind of customer service job, I was being denied from. And like Megan was saying, it, it wears on your mind when you get like no after no after no. Or no answer at or all. No, and that's my that's my favorite. No <laughs> answer at all. Where you're like, uh, did y'all close? Did y'all move overseas? <laughs> like... Or somebody will reach out and say, oh, we want to give you an interview. Me, oh, we got to cancel. We'll reschedule. And then you call back to reschedule. Oh, we the job's already been filled. And it's like, well, dog, you knew that, that when go. you canceled that interview. But that's not right. This is just a thing that, and I hope, you know, anybody's listening as experiences can kind of find some, at least laugh about it as we have had to. Megan has been a very... Um, uplifting force for me because I am currently underemployed. So like I said, I do teach. I teach at two different schools here in North Carolina. Every day of the week, I'm at one of the two schools. And so even with that, the travel that's included, you know, the court, just the extra stuff you have to do at home, the grading papers, all of that time is still not enough to make your ends meet. And that can be like, I have a child Megan's a single. She doesn't have any children. I have a child. I know a lot of people that have children. It's not just like, I got to feed myself. I can eat ramen every night. And luckily, her son is old enough where he doesn't need daycare. Right. He doesn't need daycare or diapers or nothing like that. And it's like, the people that we vote for, if you vote, please vote if you do not. (laughs) That's the end of that. Yeah. Um, Are not helping these people. And it's a lot of people that fall into this underemployment gap and they're like people are trying to do postmates and uber like 
my godmother, oh, why don't you try this app where you go and grocery shop for people? So I said, okay, I'll try it. I went on the app, signed up, and there was like a queue of 140 people waiting to get a grocery job before it, me. 140 people. So needless to say, I did not, that didn't work out. <laughs> so I'm like, I know if it's 140 people before me, I'm not the only person that's having this problem with underemployment and making ends meet. And it could be, you know, the political climate. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, Megan. What well, do you think factors into well, it? Well, also, um, I think our area is supposedly bustling. We're from we're from our area. Like, we're legit homegrown yeah. people here. But they keep publishing things saying, oh, it's 63 people <laughs> a day moving here. And I'm like, well, do these people need any grocery shopping? Do you need some help? Um, it, it, a dog walker, a dog walker, anything. And I'm finding a lot of people have side gigs. Yeah. Most people, even people with professional, um, six figure jobs. I yeah. personally know somebody with six figure job and she's got two side businesses on the side because we all know yeah. that unemployment being laid off, everything can turn on a dime. Mm-hmm. Because when I graduated, I had no idea. I was like, no way, I'm not going to get laid off. Oh, that's those other people. And literally, as I was reading Facebook and seeing my friends from college being laid off from Lehman Lehman Brothers Mm -hmm. and all those big financial places, I was like, oh, that has nothing to do with me. That's financial stuff. Oh, but the architecture firm, yeah, they called everybody in the conference room one by one, gave you a nice little box and two tissues. If you need to cry, I two tissues, and um, you can't spend no tissues. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, it was, I was, it was unbelievable. And then the people that, well, again, if you haven't been laid off, you don't know this feeling. But you come out of the conference room, and everybody's looking at you all goofy. The ones who haven't been called in the conference room, you get to explain, or at least say, "I don't want to talk right now." What's wrong? Well, I'm crying, and I'm trying to put my stuff in my box, and I would like to get to my car so I can cry harder. And maybe have some chest pains or whatever it is I need to do. Have a real get, snotty cry. Yeah, have a, have a snotty cry with these two tissues they gave me. Right. And I mean, it's just, it's very disheartening because in your 20s, you're not prepared no, for that. you're not. Because you, you think you're a little bit invincible. You're like, yeah. I got a job after college. Whatever, I'm good. You buy a little car or paying a little rent, whatever it is that you do with your monies. And then just like that. Boom. Wait a minute. I'm one of the other people. What yeah. do I what do I do now? And then like, you know, we graduated in 2005, 2006, Six. 2006. That year space 2000. We have friends that graduated in 2005, 2006. And so when this was happening, like she said, nobody had prepared her cuz you think of layoffs, you think of like, oh, that's back in the day. Yep. My mom and them, and they maybe. got laid off, maybe, yeah. you know. But now I've seen my students that, oh, I'm going to, when I finish college, I'm going to do this and that and the third. And you walk into CarMax and they in there selling cars. Yep. And that wasn't the initial plan that they had yep. revealed to you. So it's a problem that's affecting not just our age group, but younger students. So, so do you think that maybe college is not like, adequately yes uh informing kids these are some of the things that could happen like it's not going to be roses and sunshine when or, you leave here. or or i mean just like you prepare them and do interview practice you need some bounce back practice yeah 
because Absolutely. this is a real thing that could happen. We're not trying to scare you, but look, <laughs> yeah. in real life, sometimes they call everybody in the conference room and say we're laying off 45 people and you need to. And also it's an ongoing thing yeah. because on that day, that's not the day you need to start reaching out to people. You need to maintain your contacts, do mm-hmm. your little networking as much as socially awkward or uh, anxious as you may be. Yeah. You need to keep in contact with people to make sure that you're on somebody's wanted list at all times. Right. And that's not as easy as it seems because a lot of people will kiki and smile in your face. But when it comes time for, hey, I need some help, which was my issue. Every architect and person that I knew, oh, I'll keep that in mind. But it was like, whoa. So there's nothing good about knowing you. This didn't help me at all. Everybody that I think that can help me is is not helpful. And then I actually ran into some people who were just pretty gross about their not caring and how they felt that you were doing something wrong. I was called abrasive at a job fair once once upon a time. Really? Yeah, with Terrence. Oh, he's not on here. But um, <laughs> love you, T. Hey, money. Um, we we were at a job fair and. These young ladies who, I think they're jerks, but whatever, um, they pulled us to the side. Well, the reason why you guys are not getting hired because you guys have abrasive personalities. Now, mind you, we met her on that day. We maybe said six or seven words to her. And she told us we were- Did you tell me about this when it happened? I think I did because I was pissed. Terrence wanted to cuss her, but I was like, that's not going to help us. That's not going to help us. And I'll spread like wildfire. You shouldn't let them do it. I think she worked for like the Chamber of Commerce or something like that. And she was a woman of color. And um, it was just- Oh my God. I don't- I was like, girl, I'm already pretty down trying. I can't lose my job right now. I really don't want to lose myself in this place. <laughs> go We're in this nice embassy suite, and I'm trying to be in this little nice meeting space, and you're telling me that I'm abrasive. And me and him were both laid off at the same time, so we were coming with some of the same issues. Whatever Terrence had done, I had done it. We would share things with one of yeah, each other. I hey, remember get, that. get on LinkedIn. Are you on this website? Let's go to this little networking thing. And we would do stuff, but it was just a bad time. Yeah. And neither one of us were getting any traction. And he eventually uh, went back to school. Yeah, That's he did. Yeah. <laughs> but he you did too, school. though. When you yeah, but I went, to school, I went for like a little play play degree because I went to community college so that I could pull out if someone offered me a job, which that didn't happen. <laughs> um, I thought, oh, I don't want to get ingrained into some right. program. And then, whoa, what do I do? Do I go make the money or do I finish my degree? Mind you, I, did, I couldn't afford any more student loans. I was already in, in default. In That's an episode for another day. Another episode. <laughs> but it's like I couldn't go back to school because I was in arrears due to the unemployment, yeah. um, which they're not as helpful as they appear to be. Don't be played. <laughs> um, but yeah. Well, do you think since you kind of transitioned away from architecture and into construction that you kind of feel more secure in your not being that worried about unemployment? No, uh, I don't feel more secure yet because now that I've been in the industry for a little while, I've learned that architects feel it first because they're the ones who draw, they draw the drawings Mm -hmm. and they pass it on to the construction company and then the construction company pays the subcontractors. So the architect feels it first. And mm-hmm. they, they, my architect that's working on my project now, she had to do layoffs like a month ago. 
So that's oh. the first wave. So then the construction company is going to start getting work from the architecture firm, and then they're going to start to fill up. Oh, okay. And then once all the projects are built, then we can, um, once the projects are built, that's when we start to realize, oh, wow, now the subcontractors, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now I have to let people go too. Oh, okay. So it's, it's like a domino effect. And then when it rebuilds back again, then the architect starts doing well, then the construction company and Got then it. the subcontractors. Well, I work in education, so I don't really know. I mean, the, well, you as a, we feel it when they start cutting classes. Mm. Because adjuncts, in my opinion, we just kind of fill in the gaps where the faculty, full-time faculty can't do it. So when the numbers drop, enrollment numbers drop and stuff like mm-hmm. that, we start feeling it when they start cutting classes. So, yeah. Oh, I, I was going to say that schools are going to start to feel it because there's so many schools now. Yeah. I feel like before, I'm not saying there were five schools, but let's just say there were 500 colleges and universities. You've got internet schools that, you know, depending on your preference, um, they're popping up left and right. And if they existed previously, I was not aware of it. But some of these schools I have never heard of in my whole long-legged life. Yeah. Um, then on top of that, everybody's doing online programs. Right. And on the schools end, I'm thinking that's more cost-effective because they're not paying for classroom use. That's true. Utilities. Um, books can be bought online or not at all or however you do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how it will start to impact you guys and then on top of it you just got people that are withdrawing and dropping out yeah. and can't figuring it. out can't afford it or not cut out yeah because some people are just not cut out for um i'll say a four year because i think <laughs> everybody needs some sort of training and maybe you're not a four-year person maybe your certificate or a, a trade two-year trade situation yeah. but everybody needs some sort of training in my mind because people are graduating high school and don't know how to use microsoft and right. it's a topic for another day. It, a, another topic for another day. They only know how to use the internet on their phone. Yeah. So, so um, good. But I mean, like, it's an unfortunate situation that we are facing, and in the upcoming generations are gonna unfortunately maybe have to face the same issues. So I think that it's just important as we kind of wrap up the conversation to educate people about these are some of the things that can happen and like Megan was saying about you know make network with people get to know people say their car say their information you know touch base with them from time to time hey how you doing I'm good you know let me know you know something happening people that can really make moves for you and also uh, (laughs) I don't know how to word it except for get yourself some self-esteem training yeah because you're going to be tested oh yeah and you're at one point, I think when you're making enough money and you don't have anything to worry about, you think that everything's okay. And technically it is. But when that's all taken away and it's stripped away and it's just you and yourself and you've got things beating you up, you need to get in touch with your star player yep. and make sure that all your worth is not tied to that. That Absolutely. could be in your religion. That Praise could be your activities that you do, <laughs> your hobbies. All of those things, because even your family members and friends are some of the ones who are going to test you. And I don't think that they're doing it intentionally. It's just that when they're not living the same life that you're living, they they're not as impacted. So they say things that are sometimes insensitive and they're not aware that they're doing that. And that's another thing. By keeping your self-esteem straight with yourself, 
you don't bite people's heads off. Right. That's good. That's good. And just like you said, because they don't, I really feel like they don't mean it. They, they don't really don't. They think it. they're helping you. Oh my gosh. But they just like. I've had to walk out of my own mom's house because that's where I was staying because it was that bad. <laughs> I've had to just. Okay, we got to go take a Those walk. Those were some of our best fitness days, <laughs> FYI, when she stayed at her mom's house. I just want to point that out. Yeah, when I was laid off, I was, we can fit. I just say that I was super slim? Yes. And there was no wobble on me. No, we were but super But you start fit. working, you start getting fat and juicy. So make you some time for fitness, FYI. Yes, yes. <laughs> Mental and physical. Right, that definitely gets some of that negative energy out. It does. Even if it's goofy, uh, just sit there lifting weights while you're watching TV or something, or take a walk. Yeah. It helps a lot. So um, we hope that this has been, at best, entertaining. <laughs> Sharing our stories about unemployment and underemployment. And we certainly hope that you come back and join us for our next episode, which will be up. Please visit our Instagram page at the Vitamin C Podcast. You can drop. You can message me. DM me. Slide into my DM. <laughs> or you can... We hope you enjoy it and we will see you next time. Um, all I was going to say is we're um, going to get an email address, which uh, yeah. we don't have it yet, but for now, progress, baby steps, progress, baby steps, episode one. So, um, yeah, Carol's going to get um, all of our information, contact info for whatever you want to ask us. Yeah. Um, if you want our advice on anything or if you want to rant and rave, we're here for you. We understand. Please keep the comments friendly in Jesus' name. Thank you and good night.